Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Veterans Day, Friday, November 11th, 2022. I'm John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. Associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, John. And joining us today, uh, Christine's AEI colleague, uh, a columnist at the Dispatch, and the <clears throat> political analyst for News Nation. Uh, I got to say, I watched the News Nation election coverage on Tuesday night. It's first effort. At, this is this new, I don't know what you call it, sort of like an aggregated cable channel in which local, in w- that there's a nationally, it's a national 24 hour news channel that uses 35 or 40 local, the talented 35 or 40 local news stations owned by the network to make a, you know, to sort of have a genuine national newscast. And Chris Cuomo was the host of the evening and, and our guest was on the panel all night and it was great. It was really, it was so much better than CNN and I well. gotta say Fox. <laughs> I know. But I mean, but well, CNN is going through a long dark night of the soul. Anyway, it's Chris Steyerwald. <laughs> Hi, Chris. That's, I mean, uh th- thank you very much. Uh I'm I feel for CNN because they're in they're transitioning right now. They are they're they're they need to find a way to get more Harry Enton and less John King. They gotta find <laughs> a way to MSNBC beat him in the ratings on a good night for Democrats, and that's not a good sign for CNN. So just come over to News Nation and you'll cut right through. You'll just cut right through. Uh, and we also, by the way, one of the things that was really cool was that we had the guys from Decision Desk HQ, which everybody's been following for years on election nights, uh, doing our Decision Desk, and it was great. So thank you for having me and thank you for the kind words. Anyway, it was great. And uh, I am now, Chris is uh, one of my uh, gurus on, on matters electoral, and he proved his medal and worth on Tuesday because he and I were texting and I was in a condition of irrational exuberance. And I was like, <laughs> hey, you know, Tiffany Smiley in what, yeah. like this night could go, Tiffany Smiley could really knock off Patty Murray. And Chris said, I will bet you a steak dinner and spot you three points that Patty Murray is returned to the Senate. And after consulting with a couple of people, including uh, your own colleague, Christine, and I have to say Rich Lowry, I took your bet. Oh, I took well. the bet and I now owe you a steak. And I feel I have to say that I, I, I supported that, not because I thought Tiffany Smiley would lose or would win, but because what's the worst thing that could happen? You get we, to spend a night get get getting right. steaks with with Chris Steyerwald. Sounds that, good to me. That, <clears throat> yes, but I do want to. I never. I had one triumphant prediction night day in my in my life as a as a sort of political predictor, and that was in '94 on the day of the midterm elections in 1994 the late robert novak had a every election day novak had a brunch and he invited kind of the conservative intelligentsia in washington or journal journalists on the rightward side of the ledger in washington to this brunch so there're like 40 or 50 of us and there's a pool and i got the house number right and so i won $800 what year was this 
94. 94. Wow. 94. That was a good, that, so aiming yeah. high was aiming high was good. Yeah, no. And, um, I think somebody was higher. I mean, I think somebody went, you know, like 60 or something. Well, so that didn't happen. I was, but. I was not going to bring up our wager. Uh, and I, uh, as long as I get to have dinner with you, I don't even care who pays. Uh, I will tell you, you are not rich. Lowry only- is going to pay. That's what I'm telling him. Rich yeah. Lowry is the one who's like, you better take that bet. And now we'll see. We'll see if rich, maybe he could like pay for the martinis. I mean, that you just- are. Well, I mean, let's be, I mean, let's, I don't know how deep the pockets are and are. So maybe we, uh, we, we, maybe we just need to split. I don't know. The, um, you are far from the only person who lost a bet with me this week. Uh, many people lost bets with me this week. Um, and when we come to believe that polling doesn't mean anything, then we are entitled to go on different kinds of flights of fancy. And I will tell you that in the closing, that what saved me from, we know why the mainstream press over Chris Saliza, my fa- I think my favorite headline of all uh, from uh, the, as, as, as Sarah Palin, uh, runner up in Alaska's house race would say, the lamestream media was uh, Chris Saliza, always a contender, but who had the headline, um, the, uh, uh, the midterm elections are going to be very, very good for Donald Trump. And I, I was, somebody sent it to me prior to, I was like, that doesn't seem, maybe, I don't, maybe, I don't know. Um, but he wrote it with the kind of surety that only a person like that could muster. I know why they did that. They did that because they were wrong in 2020, right? They overestimated, everybody, by the way, overestimated how Democrats would perform in the House, including Republicans. Uh, and, uh, they missed the Republicans gained seats, didn't lose seats. I was wrong in 2020 on the house. And because the polls miss on the Republican side, more often than they do on the democratic side, uh, it's, uh, we'll see what the final numbers are this year, but it's a 1.7 points in midterm elections, uh, going back to 2000, uh, is the median miss. Uh, on Republicans, Republicans understated. So you can understand why there's a little bit. And if you say, well, you know, the generic ballot really is at three, but if we add that 1.7, and then I put some good vibes on top of that, and the next thing you know, New Hampshire's already in the bag, right? (laughs) New Hampshire's gone for the Democrats, and here comes Washington State. And I, I totally understand how people got there because Democrats were afraid of being wrong again. And the media was afraid of being wrong again. And the Republicans were just high on their own supply. So I get it. New Hampshire's an interesting case because on, on Tuesday night, I was prepping to write a column overnight for the New York post. And we had conversations a couple of hours the earlier. front page column. sir. Well, that was later that, that, that was Thursday. This is Tuesday okay. night, which I did not write a column on Tuesday night. And here's what happened. I was like, they were like, well, when can you get the column in? Cause there are three editions of the paper. One closes at around eight, one closes at 10 30, 11, one at particularly on election night closes at like 12 30. So I was like, and everybody had this like, oh, you know, there are the three Virginia seats. And so maybe if they win the Southern one, then it's a good night. And if they win the second, the central one, it's a better night. And if they win Northern Virginia, it's a tsunami, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, I, I think the thing to look at is New Hampshire, because if Bolduck wins in New Hampshire, the Republican candidate, 
there's no telling what what could happen. And New Hampshire closes, and the first batch of votes comes in, and Maggie Hassan is winning by 20. Yeah. And New Hampshire, it's not like, well, you know, there's a liberal part of the state and there's a concern. I mean, there is no, a there liberal is. part. There, there is. is a liberal part of the state, but we don't know where the votes came in from. Okay. And, you know, on to be honest, yeah, I know things rush in and then they another drop and all of that, but it was like 10%. And when someone is up like 20 points, even there, it's like kind of hard to make it up to par and then yeah. go forward unless the state is so incredibly divided that another well, and, area comes in and in New Baldick Hampshire at 20 and, and in New Hampshire. So one of the things that people forget uh, every other year, New Hampshire doesn't have any big cities, right? Right. Um, Belknap County, Concord is not very many people, right? Um, I'm sorry, can... this is Manch Vegas erasure. <laughs> uh well uh manchester is what what's the population of manchester Forty thousand, maybe maybe something like maybe. that i yeah. mean you the the population density is along the massachusetts border in yeah. what is basically exurban boston uh but there's no population center like philadelphia or pittsburgh or cleveland or the places that caused the slow count and these huge splits so yeah. you're right new hampshire is uh, right. the, the uniformity so of count so Hassan comes in at plus 20 and I'm like, I don't think I can write for first for the first edition. The bulldog. And then I can't remember what else came in. I was like, I don't think I can write for the second edition. And then, you know, it's like, it's like 11 PM and I can write very fast. And I was like, you better forget better forget me because i don't have any idea i mean obviously there's no wave but aside from writing there's no wave i don't have anything interesting to say um and uh it was sobering not because i was honestly not because i was rooting for a wave or i was like it was more like i had forgotten this other lesson which i talked about yesterday on the podcast but that nothing that we see until election day is real Nothing is real. Polling about attitudes is evanescent. Uh, it's not real uh, in that. Oh, come on. This is New York Times did four great polls. Surveys and they didn't in believe them. And they hit them right on the screws. And they didn't believe them. And Nate it's Cohn wrote a piece saying essentially, I don't believe the polls that I just I just right. surveyed. Well, it's Incredible. But what, we, but what do we put in the stew when we think about what's going to happen in an election? We think about three things mainly. We think about history, we think about demography, and we think about the climate, right? So history points us to what the median or the uh, the, the wave, right? Average seats, loss of seats, thirty-eight seats, twenty-eight seats is the average loss seats. of seats for the president's party in his first term since nineteen eighty-two. There's history, demography. There are uh, black and Hispanic voters trending Republican in recent elections. There's no reason to think that da, da, da. there's no reason to believe that younger voters are coming out in enormously high numbers. Uh, our friend Kristen Soldis Anderson can give you chapter and verse on that. But it's there, there was no sign of that. So the third thing was you had one thing, which was the polling said, eh. right? So Republicans increase to catch up with Democrats and move beyond them in middle October. And I was starting to feel the, the pressure 
to like, oh, maybe I got to rethink my number. I got to rethink my number. Because I was 15 to 25 for a range of House seats for Republicans and an R51. And I thought, oh, man, everybody's going. Nate Cohn is getting weird. Like, maybe I should reconsider. And then I looked at what happened. And in mid-October, the Republicans stalled. The momentum that they were bringing in stalled. And it was because that among the first tranche of persuadable voters, Republicans carried them widely. But in the final grains of sand to trickle through, the the Democrats held serve. And the polls were really good this year. Well, hang on. We have now we got to get into the the actual results according to the preliminary exit polls and preliminary exit polls. I understand caveats abound, methodology, what have you. All that aside, Wall Street Journal analysis of the demographics suggests they did. Demographic minorities and Democratic constituents did move to the GOP. Mm -hmm. African-Americans by 15 points, younger black voters under 44 by 22 points, Hispanics by 10 points, younger Latinos by 18 points. Suburban white women by seven points in the direction of the GOP when they won them previously. Seems like you can attribute this to independents and squishy moderate Republicans, according to the NBC analysis of these exit polls. David Konevsky, who said candidates, quote, candidates made in Trump's image were not supported by Republican voters as opposed to non-Trumpy, less Trumpy Republicans. So it's it's attributable to conventionally Republican voters. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm that's what I was saying. Uh, not Democrats, not like history, a surge of Democrats. History and demography pointed to a good year for Republicans. Um the polling said Democrats would hold serve and that the Democrats were going to avoid a wipeout. And it was it's hard to trust polling when we've had so many polling misses, right? So you have a scenario where the one of the three that says that Democrats are going to do okay are the polls. And, and it's hard to say like, okay, I'm just going to trust the polls on this when you have history and demography telling you something else. You know, it's also that, so it's been really since uh, 2012 that the polling has been bad, right? I mean, you have, you had, oh. You had uh, last polls in the Romney-Obama race uh, getting Romney's number too high. You had 2014, nobody really catching the Republican Senate wave. 2016 obviously was horrible with margins for Hillary that were preposterous, particularly in Ohio. And then in 2020, of course, Biden had these insane margins, particularly in Wisconsin and other places that he didn't meet. Um and so there's all this question, are you are you are the pollsters like playing for the Democrats and doing things to help? Or is it they just their their ways of waiting and trying to conform things to what is expected are just off and they can't they can't get it right. And then maybe the story is they got it right. It's like they had they had 12 years of misses, you know, and they have been correcting and recorrecting and dealing with the fact that response rates are low and all of that. And whoever, Sienna in particular, may seem to have found the secret sauce that that dealt with raw data in which so few Republicans were responding and so few anybody was responding and got the formula right, which, by the way, is no depth proof that the next time they're going to get it right again because each election has a delta of one. It's its own thing. It right. builds its own electorate. That's what I meant by saying that nothing is real until election day in that sense, because you're going on P 
people talking about an event that's going to happen in the future. Well, and they can change their mind up until the moment they step into the ballot and box. Stanley right? Greenberg, hours. yes, right. He's Stanley Greenberg, that. who had a piece last Thursday saying, "I warned you people not to run the race that you're running, and you're going to get hammered because you didn't do class issues, you did, you know, woke issues." And he has uh, he's interviewed in the New New York Magazine today, saying, according to his survey. 25% of the people in his survey made their decision on whom they were going to vote for the day before the election. And that has never happened before. Now, if he's got that number right, the crazy thing about that is so many people voted early that you're talking about an enormous amount of contingency on election Same day, day more, voting, than yeah. any, more than anybody expected. What uh, could explain that? That's where the both, stall comes in that you, it's easy. That you saw. Okay. It's easily explained. Okay. Garbage parties. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, yeah. terrible political parties. Truly awful. Joe Biden was given a reprieve, right? He was in the electric chair and the phone rang. It's the governor. <laughs> you see, Joe, you've been, you've been pardoned. Uh, and he goes up in front of the cameras. And what does he say? Not changing anything. It's like uh, I was on the panel with a Democrat on election night, and she goes, and that's how we snatched. And I said, yes, a smaller defeat from the jaws of a larger. I was like, yes, correct. Still yeah. a defeat. Still yes. a defeat. Um, not a massive repudiation, but still a defeat. And the Republicans had a defeat, too, um, compared to expectations. Most important poll to me that I saw that that actually helped me stay away from the uh, uh, the uh psilocybin of wavism was that the democrats approval rating in gallup's final poll dropped to 35 percent to tie republicans uh both of these parties are hugely unpopular even among many of their own members and so the way that uh, the way that these crappy parties have gotten by uh, in the 21st century substantially is the Mickey Mouse balloon phenomenon. If I squeeze this ear, the other ear gets bigger. And the Democrats and Republicans go into minority status and they wait. And then when voters become dissatisfied with the other party, that ear gets crushed and the other ear gets bigger because <laughs> the parties are like, I just got here. I don't know. I have no idea how this happened. I am shocked. So which, to find out. But which party is right now more motivated to change? I mean, I think like I, I feel like the Republicans went into this election thinking they were going to prom with the homecoming king and right. they showed up and it's their cousin. They're going to prom with they, their cousin. They, they so they are like MD 2020 yeah. with me behind the gym. Right. Like next time we've got to do this right. And I think all the soul searching about Trump, which is very healthy and long overdue, is a good sign. But do you see the Democrats having a similar conversation because the next Hell two years no. for them. Yeah. No. OK. The, that they're, was... they're, they're getting ready to take their whipping. Uh, they're they're getting ready. Um, and actually, the interesting thing. So in this Mickey Mouse balloon phenomenon where Republicans forget who George W. Bush was, uh, Democrats forget who Barack Obama, there, I don't know, I have no idea how what, what happened last election. Um, that phenomenon was interrupted for Republicans because Donald Trump wouldn't even let them say that they lost. So they didn't get a chance to do what parties are supposed to do after you lose and say, well, we're not going to have Mitt Romney again. We're not going to do something like that again. What should we do this time? 
So they weren't able to say, well, we're not going to do Donald Trump again. What should we do this time? So they had to go through this. So now is it possible that as a consequence, Republicans now say, okay, three elections in a row, we're having trouble here. This is a problem. And it's, and because I very much agree um, at election watch yesterday at AEI, Whit Ayers, I think, identified correctly the proportions here. He's a Republican pollster. Forty uh, percent of Republicans are Trump, maybe, right? <laughs> so there's uh, there's twenty percent of Republicans who are no Trump, don't like Trump. Forty uh, percent of Republicans are willing to vote for Trump against Joe Biden and would happily do so again, uh, but are not cultists. And then you've got the rest of the party that is delighted and entranced uh, that they are, they are hypnotized uh, by Trump and sort of the worse, the better. Uh, these are the people, by the way, did you see the Freedom Caucus is having Tucker Carlson come had, get, yesterday? Had, had yeah, that's where them. they emerged from that meeting saying Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes. So uh, many in the Republican Party are not ready, uh, as we see, to, to move on and turn the page. For Democrats, they're going to believe that they were popular, not just that Republicans were unpopular, right? Uh, they're going to take the wrong cue because if good things happen for us, it's just human nature. Is good when good things happen to us, what do we say? We don't say, "Well, it's because she was only with me behind the gym drinking MD twenty twenty because the homecoming uh, king did not ask her." We don't say that. We say she likes me better, right? She likes the mad dog and me better. Uh, than uh, the champagne and the homecoming cake. So, guys, so, so something that, I've seen. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Just quickly, something I've seen along these lines regarding the Democrats is that as uh, the news started to break in their favor, uh, all this broadcasting saying. So it seems that the crime message didn't stick after all. No, no <laughs> one, no one believed this. This, this blowing, this you know, inflated, uh, confected story about there being crime. This is and this is what they're going to believe. And that is not true. That's in right. cities, they sure as hell believed it. No, I mean, I mean look, in, you in have New York, f- especially yeah, yeah. you have the fourth largest state in the United States, New York, where the crime message, which was the sole message of the Republican candidate uh, for governor. So he came up short, but overperformed. Massively. But he wildly overperformed and the Democratic vote created in New York City, which and we didn't really know in election night. Yeah. Cratered in New York City, and it and it and it turned out in Nassau, Suffolk, Rockland, uh, and Dutchess counties, and among other places. And that's important because it's a real world test of a message where people can. It's not Fox News is talking too much about crime. People who live in Nassau and Suffolk counties and in Rockland County, which is an which is a exurb of New York, go into Manhattan. And they see what we see every day on the streets of Manhattan. I think Rick Caruso is probably going to win in the mayor's race in Los Angeles. And we don't. Well, I mean, I listened to Mike Murphy who knows a lot about Los Angeles as a friend of Caruso's, but he said it's Mm -hmm. very, it's going to be very close, but he's up now. Um, And, you know, again, even if he comes within a point or two of, of, of winning, he only ran on crime. He has no other issue than crime and social decay. And and he's got a, you know, he's up against a African-American congresswoman with a big reputation, has a big base in the city. And, and, and talked about crime in a serious way, too. 
Yeah, uh, we and, should point out she yes. Karen Bass also talked about crime in a serious way. And you can say in yeah. Georgia uh, that the reason that Herschel Walker's in a runoff is because of crime. You could very easily say the people when the community of Buckhead is talking about seceding from the city of Atlanta because it's just unsafe. Yeah. Right. Uh, in San Francisco, where you have them recalling the prosecutor, where right. you have all this going that like uh, it yeah. was uh, John it was. Um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? He wrote the Axis of Evil speech. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? David Frum. David Frum. David Frum said early on in Trump days, he said, if Democrats will not enforce immigration laws, or no, if only fascists will enforce immigration laws, eventually Americans will elect fascists to enforce them. And what Democrats do on crime and immigration by not engaging, by not talking about it in a serious right. way, is lowering the threshold for what a Republican can be. And what Republicans almost got away with this year was being a, just a garbage party, no unity, no message, no nothing, just no ideas, uh, and just the will to power. And it was almost enough because Democrats couldn't yeah. engage on the things that matter to people. Yeah. Again, also important to note is that the Oregon governor's race, right, the state that Portland's in, Portland being the epicenter of sort of the woke, never-ending woke social disorder uh, chaos. Okay, in the end, Tina Kotek, the Democrat, has pulled it out. But this is like Zeldin in New York. Like, there's no reason that that should have been a race except for social disorder. And so issues, you don't have to win. You have to win to govern. But you don't have to win for the protest vote to be a primal scream that right. you 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 refuse to hear at your peril. Do you know only one in three Americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights? That's why FIRE is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all Americans, no matter where you're from or what you believe. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people. FIRE will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights. Join the fight for free speech at www.thefire.org. Okay, let's go into what's actually happening now, because we have two undecided Senate races that, you know, if they go, if they go one to the Republicans and one to the Democrats, the Georgia runoff will decide control of the Senate. If they go both to the Democrats, then Democrats effectively have are back at 50-50 and will have control. That's Arizona and Nevada. So where we stand right now is that in the Senate race in Arizona, Dave Wasserman, who is the I've seen enough guy on Twitter, <laughs> has already called Arizona yeah. for Mark Kelly, the incumbent Democrat. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So because he's 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 up by five points. I mean, like I okay. Uh, in Nevada, we have a race that is, I think, I think it's a thousand. Are we now at a thousand votes uh, separating them? Let me see. Let me see what we've got. I, I think want, it's like Noah, a... Noah probably knows right now. Noah probably has two monitors up tracking <laughs> real time vote dropping through. I'm, I'm slack. Uh, but I, I think, uh, in, uh, I think it's, hold on. I think it's, uh, let me see here. Where are they? uh about nine thousand votes nine thousand votes right. nine thousand votes separate they're talking about clark 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 but washoe county if it delivers for laxalt is where he's going to win so so uh 
last but wash night, out washouts early box as they as they used to say went for <laughs> masto who is the incumbent democrat and not for laxalt i still expect masto to win um and i expect her to win by 15 10,000 votes 8 really? 9,000 okay. votes right uh, the so the the thing is uh the good news for laxalt was nye county which is like tumbleweeds mormons and uh extras from there will be blood uh, uh that i kid i kid uh the uh they came in with a they went like 85 percent for laxalt which last night gave him a 2000 gave him a little uh, put a little gust of wind in but remember washoe county uh is not as republican as it used to be and there's a lot of around Lake Tahoe and in that area, there's a, a lot, lot of, of, there's a, there's a decent amount of democratic vote share. I, I, I have not recalculated this morning, but um, Cortez Masto's need in Clark County is not giant, right? She does not need to do huge numbers in what's left in Clark County what? to win. Well, they thought yesterday that she was going to need more than two thirds of the existing vote in Clark County to win. And then Washoe, Washoe came in yesterday and changed that calculation. So it's under 60%, which is totally irrational. She, right. She should be for her. She should, if she doesn't hit that, she deserves to lose in some. And we, and also you don't know Las Vegas is weird because of all of the people who don't live there full time. And there's a yeah. lot of ma- there, there's going to be a lot more Republican male. So we don't know. Uh, but if I were betting today, uh, I would still take Masto there. Okay, so a court, if we and I trust you because you're getting everything right this year. So if, yeah. if we if we take your predictions, Democrats have control of the Senate effectively with Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote. And of course, we saw over the last two years. First of all, it doesn't matter because if Republicans end up in control of the House, there isn't going to be any legislation. So right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But let's just say let's just say somehow you know. Republicans end up by four and then, you know, four of them are on a yacht and, you know, are on a boat in the Potomac and the boat blows up and then Democrats win their seats back and Democrats are in control. You could still do a lot of damage. But okay, so Democrats are at 50-50. They retain the chairmanships of the, you know, Senate committees. They control the staffs. They control the calendar. They control this. They control that. (laughs) Why are Republicans going to turn out in Georgia for the December 6th? Why are, why are Democrats going to turn out? Right. So so it's like a race to the bottom. Now. Right. And in Georgia, a race to the bottom favors Republicans. Uh, so if uh, Laxalt pulls it out in Nevada and that the race is on the line, both parties are going to march to the polls, number one, and number two, for persuadable voters, such as there are in a runoff, uh, the the calculus is different, right? So if you went and undervoted, you voted for Kemp but skipped. Uh, now remember, you can't vote in the runoff unless you voted in the general, right? So there's no new voters coming in. The universe of voters will only shrink. Um, and for Democrats, your first problem in a run. Why why do Republicans uh, and previously Democrats in the South love runoffs? Uh, because the majority party does better because the less attached voters are less likely to show up twice in two months. 
And for Democrats, that includes a lot of poor black voters and it includes a lot of young voters who they just rallied to get to the polls one time and got everybody out there. So if you if um, Georgia has that race on the ballot, it's easier for Democrats to get lower propensity voters to the polls. If it's not for anything except for who will represent Georgia, I think that the when this with lower stakes, I like Republicans chances better. Okay, so Herschel Walker will be in the Senate, and Zygazun to everybody. This is really well, this know, is also gonna, a, he is going to be a but, credit to our democracy. But wait, 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 wait! But there's a potential spoiler, as there was in the last Georgia runoff, mm-hmm. which is Donald Trump, who's making a big announcement next week and could totally blow the whole thing, what, like he did last time. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? His big announcement next week is now going to be that if you act now, Truth Social is you can get a blue check mark on Truth Social. Just $4. He's attacking Glenn Youngkin right now. He's attacking Glenn Youngkin. Twitter. He should buy Twitter from Musk for like mm-hmm. pennies on the dollar. I w- wait. Did you say Donald Trump is attacking Glenn Youngkin today? He's yeah, attacking he Glenn like... Youngkin. Yeah, he went after DeSantis yesterday, looking like an absolute Ron fool for doing so. Ron and now he's attacking Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin, whose race? On, I just want to add they. They desperately kept Trump out of that race, which is why Youngkin won. And towards the end, Trump wanted to show up there and take credit for Youngkin. And they basically had to, like, bar the door. Well, that's what he Trump. said. This is the the attack. Youngkin, parentheses. Now, that's an interesting take. Sounds Chinese. Got to throw that? some racism in there. It's Donald Trump. He wouldn't have won without me. I endorsed him. I did a very big <laughs> Trump rally for him telephonically and got MAGA vote for him. He could he or he wouldn't have come close to winning. So, yeah, there's some history there. Everybody oh, so kind of this forgets is just this because happened. He might run for president. No, but this well, is so a hang, on, hang on. Hang on. Hang go on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, that that rally was ridiculous. It went on for six minutes. Telephonically. It was invitation only. Everybody forgot it happened until this moment. But you do remember the panic when he oh. wanted to parachute in there when Youngkin began to surge following an attack in, in Loudoun County. And Youngkin began to surge and then Trump wanted to take credit for it. And this is this is him attempting to take credit again. Uh, oddly, uh, do you think he's not going to run for president? I don't necessarily. Wait, think he's I got to I got to I got to interrupt and... here on on Virginia. There's a, even Trump. There are places Trump's not going to go. So Youngkin's lieutenant governor, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears. She's awesome. Yeah, she's pretty was. Crazy. But she was very Trumpy. Yeah, she got. The party's nod as lieutenant governor, as a Trumpian. She went on television yesterday and said, if Trump runs in 2024, I cannot support him. I think that he's attacking Yunkin because he's mad at Winsome Sears, but he's afraid to attack Winsome Sears. The one person in America right now he might be afraid to attack. It's sort of a weird attack anyway, because he ends with, but he'll get it done, speaking of Yunkin. So he's kind of backing off his own. That, that was weird. You know, but the, the other thing is that... What's particularly interesting about the Yunkin race was that the tea leaves were completely evident then. The mm-hmm. the Democrats desperately tried to tag Yunkin as as Trumpy. That was and their his whole success, strategy. His success was in eluding that label. Right. He was the fascist in a fleece yeah. fest. Remember, they, they just right. the label did not stick with him. It was so <laughs> Pennsylvania. So go to Pennsylvania Senate, the Pennsylvania Senate primary this year. There is a candidate in this Pennsylvania Senate primary who is an exact parallel to Yunkin. Dave McCormick, well, Blackstone, well, Rich, well. Rich, why? Pretty close. Glenn Yunkin is a golden retriever of a person in a fleece yeah. vest 
with a stellar basketball career, a, 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 if you've met them both, you with Yunkin, you're just like, you're just, you want to like pet him. You're, he's just, he's, he a, apologized he's, to Pelosi for the, for uh, yeah. working the, the yeah. Paul Pelosi. So thing you're, you're saying, for. you're saying yeah, yeah. that McCormick is not as winsome as he is not as winsome, number one. And number two, he is not as much of a carpetbagger as Oz. But he went from David to Dave when he went from Greenwich to Pittsburgh, yeah. and there's uh, the blue. The, yeah, the, but Youngkin never wore Youngkin never wore a vest. He was before. a vest. I have evidence. Sure, have he did. Evidence. Yeah, okay. they all wear them okay. at Davos. So no, yeah, okay, exactly. fair enough. They wore them at Davos. <laughs> but I'm saying McCormick ran. McCormick literally out. ran as Youngkin, right? Yeah. I mean, that's he basically he looked like Yunkin. He had Yunkin's kind but of I, resume. I think McCormick's miss, and I I've debated in my mm -hmm. mind whether McCormick would have done better than Oz, and I've I've been back and forth on the oh. question because McCormick was unnatural because he was trying to be MAGA, but then not trying to be. He was he felt over coached and there was too much going on. It didn't seem natural. He did not seem like he was himself uh, in any particular way and that he was trying to invent a character to be. And part of that comes from the fact that his wife and Trump and it's, it's complicated. Um, Oz, here's what, here's what I can say. My axiom for candidate quality, don't pay attention to how they start, pay attention to how they improve. And Mehmet Oz got better, right? He started out bad. <laughs> he started out weird and angry and bad, and it was not good. But as he went, he obviously was listening and ran a more disciplined campaign and ran a more normal campaign. I think the celebrity, I mean, if you take the, the, the negatives on Oz, a Muslim in a very culturally conservative state that was not helpful. Uh, number two, carpetbagger. Number three, crudite weirdo. Uh, those were those were his those were his deficiencies. But the celebrity in Pennsylvania, you got to think that's worth a lot with uh, what we used to call LIVs, low information voters. So I don't know. Okay, I, I was only I was only going here as a as a sort of to look to say he went in there. He had a model that he wanted to follow. And we would have had a kind of test case mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of Yunkinism, right? Trump accepting, um, let's say, but Trump distant, even though he sought Trump's endorsement. And he does have this weird fact. His wife, Dina Powell, was a senior official, foreign policy official in the Trump administration. Um, and uh, And Trump didn't go for it. Now he's he saying didn't off. go for he it because off. the party actually mobilized. All right, hang on. What okay, we have ample ahead. evidence now. Yeah, over three consecutive cycles. Yeah, that voters don't respond especially well to Trumpism on the ballot, and they yep. do respond especially well to Republicans who have some convincing claim to conventionality, especially if they have some convincing claim to the pre-Trump GOP. Republicans have demonstrated absolutely no intention to listen to the will of the voters, just like Democrats have all the evidence in the world now that they don't need. They don't need to change a thing. Republicans have shown us time and time again that they they beg off when the going gets tough. We've That's already right. seen the brushback pitch. The brushback pitch is very familiar. You're not going to win without the 30 percent, Chris, that you identified of these voters who are Trump or nothing. But they have all the evidence in the world that they lose without them, mm -hmm. with them, without them. 
they're they're going to lose. And there's to the extent that there's any multipolarity within the GOP, there's now just evidence that we have one competing poll and it's not Glenn Youngkin. So it all depends on whether or not Ron DeSantis is the guy who's afraid to tell you whether he got a second boost or he's the guy who takes on the Citadel, which is, and you know, Disney is the easy target, but the Citadel being Donald Trump. We don't have okay, a ton wait. of evidence to suggest that Ron DeSantis is willing to take on hard targets. Okay, first of all, hard targets that offend his base voters. Okay, I wanted, wait, wait, I, yeah, can I just, uh, the Floridian and he's getting scrappy here. He did exactly what he should have done yesterday. He had like one tweet. He had a celebration on the night of his yeah, huge yeah. win. He did not take a victory lap. He went yep. right back to work as a hurricane. Another hurricane hit Florida. He mobilized. He showed that he can govern. Sure. And I no, think he has not responded. He's taking a lot of heat from Donald Trump. Carrie Lake is blaming him for the slow count in Arizona. Wrap right. your head around that one. <laughs> right. But he's no, taking the... all this heat and he's responding very stoically. Now, is that calculated or is it's... that the guy who doesn't want to there, tell you whether there, he's that's how you deal with a narcissist? You gray rock him. You give him nothing. Nobody. I knew how to deal with Trump. No one knew how to deal. If it's smarter cowardice, I don't know. No one knew how to deal with Trump in 2016. But here, here's what I was wondering about the Republican electorate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they like DeSantis. They should like DeSantis. The Trumpians should like DeSantis. He's a culture warrior. He, you know, he opened after COVID. You know, he didn't let COVID shut the state down. He fights Disney. He says, you know, this is where woke goes to die. All of that, they like him. He's mm -hmm. he's got high approval ratings among Republicans. Trump starts attacking him. This is the interesting test case. Do they? This is cognitive dissonance central. They like DeSantis. Trump is now telling them don't like DeSantis, but independently, they have reason to like DeSantis. Okay. Uh, Most okay. of the politicians that Trump has attacked. Nobody ever heard of before. No one ever heard of Roger Wicker. Nobody ever heard of Jeff. I mean, even though I mean, they, they were known in their states. Nobody ever heard of Jeff Fair Flake. Enough. Right. Fair enough. Nobody ever heard of, uh, I'm not even blocking the guy from Tennessee who retired. Uh, uh, Corker. Senator Corker. Who did he go after in 2017? Corker, Flake. And uh, I just mentioned him and I can't remember who that Sass, was either. Sass, uh, Sass? outperformed right. uh, Trump in Nebraska. Okay, but I'm just saying that in this case, like he went after people, he was punching down. Now, it's not that he, he's not above DeSantis, but DeSantis has an independent reputation among Republicans who are supporters of Trump. He's, he is creating cognitive dissonance for them. That the, is uncomfortable. The, the, hey. the, the point of QAnon is that there's something bigger than Donald Trump moving and that Donald Trump is but a vessel, right? He is but a vessel of this movement that is out there. Uh, that And Kathy Barnett's candidacy in the Pennsylvania Senate was not the result of Democratic meddling. Her success, her little surge in the Pennsylvania Senate primary was anti-Trump MAGA. <laughs> and anti-Trump MAGA is a real it's not big, but it is a real constituency. And they're primary voters, man. They are, they are, uh, they are cranking up the Ted Nugent in the car on the way to the voting place. And they they guard the ballot box after they put their vote in. They this... are in it. And what I believe is that the Republican nomination process will see multiple lead changes between now and Super Tuesday 2024. 
uh, and there will be sacrifices at the altar of Trump. There will be, but one of the encouraging signs for Republicans is that Tom Cotton dropped out before election day. Others are going to, the, the good news for Ron DeSantis is that the Trump uh, accepting mainstream Republicans are going to line up behind DeSantis. You can okay, see- Okay, wait a minute. So I, you're I, saying I, there needs to be a, a, a an organized collective action on the part of the Republican party and that's what will stop Trump. No, 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 no. They have to do what Democrats did. So Democrats were getting ready to do in 2020 what Republicans did in 2016, was hang around, hang around, hang around, hang around. What they did, did instead was dropped out, right? And Trump uh, caught it. He saw it. He was so upset about Elizabeth Warren dropping out because he rightly understood that her decision made Joe Biden the nominee and the front runner for uh, president in 2020. Uh, the It is not collective action so much as it is individual decisions based on the well-being of the party. That's and, even worse. Well, no, no, no. Because who, who has evinced any evidence okay. that they're willing to sacrifice just, their wait, own personal Abe's, ambition? Abe wants to get in here. Abe wants Abe. to get in here. Well, what, what, it's already a point that's kind of gone, but but it's it all relates. John had said that um, it's not that Trump is isn't above DeSantis. I actually think in this moment that's not true. Yeah, I think DeSantis is bigger than Trump in this moment. DeSantis is a giant. Trump is a pipsqueak right now. And he doesn't change that dynamic by ranting on Truth Social. And it is the easiest move in the world for DeSantis to let this play out and do nothing in response. He's doing the right, right thing. Now, here's the thing. This is the important part. Um, when Trump started going after Jeb and then all this in 2015, Trump was in the race a month got it. before he took the lead in the presidential primary, and he never surrendered it. And so From everybody, right? Everybody was trying to figure out, was he real? Was he a flash in the pan? What do you do? Because he'll he'll go away. He'll say something. He'll blow up on the launch pad. I want to ignore him. I'm going higher. I'm not going to. This is, Ted I Cruz, need to, I I need to be statesmanlike. Yeah, I need to be statesman. Maybe he'll support me. All of that. And meanwhile, he's just like, I will kill everybody. I will kill right. you and I will eat your heart in front of the American <laughs> people and they will like it. 2024 is a little is is totally different in this sense. I, again, I'm no I'm not gonna predict anything ever again. I'm just gonna offer a scenario and you know see what see whether it plays out. The minute that Trump, if this were to happen, Chris just said there'll be a lot of lead changes. The minute that Trump stops leading, if he ever stops leading, he declares and DeSantis declares and a couple other people declare. The minute that he is second, he's done. Right. And no, the I don't. The minute that he is second, he's done. I don't done. think that what Republicans will do is what I said necessarily. But that's what they should do right. if they want to win in 2024 and yeah. not have their oh, i understand there's there's a lot of conflict between wanting to win and being afraid of losing being right. afraid of losing is being afraid of, of a primary base and we have ample evidence of likes crazy loves crazy prefers crazy especially if it annoys the right people up to and including cutting off your own nose because and screw them 
Right. And then we have a problem. And that's there exactly because, the problem, right. because the second you get somebody like a DeSantis or anybody else who wants to challenge yeah. this nomination, they have to come. I hate the idea of lanes, but you can't occupy Trump's crazy lane. But and New Hampshire, if New Hampshire is the first state in the nation, New Hampshire nominated Bolduck. Bolduck lost by 10 points. Do we have New Hampshireites nominated Caroline Levitt in the New Hampshire first? She lost. Yeah, she was. You know, there was two Trumpier. She was Trumpier than the other Trumpy candidate there's and 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 so that's the first state so is there any indication that new hampshire republicans are going to learn from this experience trumpism long predates trump uh trumpism could also be called buchananism right uh the paranoid angry resentful wing of the republican party is not a new uh part of the republican party it's just that they have not won before uh, but anybody who has not ever watched Pat Buchanan's speech at the 1992 Republican convention, where we are soldiers standing uh, at the Battle of Armageddon, uh, will say, whoa, <laughs> that was that was a lot. Um, the question is. That wing of the Republican Party has been engaged in a purge, a, a uh, revenge killings uh, for. How many cycles now, right? Uh, 2016, 2018, yeah. 2022. So now we're heading into the fourth cycle where they have the whip hand, right? This this wing of the Republican Party, finally, after their long struggle since 1964, arguably, uh, to have control, uh, is in charge of the Republican Party. And they're not going to give up Donald Trump, who is their instrument, right? He is their instrument because he can bring in the sort of pro wrestling, loosely attached, low propensity voters that make a difference. And he's famous and all this other stuff. The question is, at what point do Republicans, do the, do the Mike Pence Republicans, do the Tom Cotton Republicans, do the others say, the costs of this are simply too great? We've lost too many of these persuadable voters, and we're going to have to take our lumps now and just take the beating now for the sake of of fighting back against these folks. And I don't know whether they will do that, but that's that's what they've got. That's the, those they are their a, choices. They have a second problem, which is what we saw this election, which is understandable because they're they hate government, they hate politics, they don't they don't like American politics, they hate things. Okay, so. One of the things to take away from this election is, and it's always evident, and Republicans always forget it, Democrats are really technically good at getting elected. They have immense skills. They have get-out-the-vote skills. They have organizational skills. They have they have secondary organizations that are not part of government, that 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 get enormous numbers of voters to the polls. They, they defy... Uh, you know, headwinds often because they are, they can generate the vote that they need. And we saw that this year, I think is what we're going to learn over the next month as people really dig in the data and refine it and all of that, that they managed to pull out young voters, which is like almost impossible in a midterm. And they got a lot of the core outside of some of these places where enthusiasm cratered for them in Florida and New York they generated votes and we have no indication that the trump people who run elections and run campaigns and stuff like that are especially competent no I mean, there aren't what are the who are these trump people you're talking you know, about brad Par- I, I don't know i'm saying brad, well, look, brad, a lot of them then brad, brad you know, Parscale being you know, led Jeff out of his Rowe. home in his swim trunks yeah. into the back of a police cruiser that guy yeah no i'm not i i mean 
that, yeah, generally speaking, when you have surges, when, you know, an un- a candidate unexpectedly performs, right, or like has a triumph, right, the team that got him elected, the 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 superstar Clinton team in 92, the, the Bush uh, team in 2000, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, they kind of end up, they go, they get into the weeds in the RNC and in the part and all that, or they get into the DNC and they they train each other, they they learn things and stuff like that. These guys are mostly interested in the grift as far as like what they well, want is they want the email list so they can they right. can say send in Pump your it. dollar yeah. today. And these let's not forget also that thanks to the constitution, Trump, if he did win the nomination and win again in 2024, can serve one term. And imagine what he's going to do with that one term and the people who will be working for him. him. Yes, that's what I'm worried about. It's not like Bill Barr's coming back. We're like, yeah, it's not even the B-list. It's not like the normies are going to say, well, I can handle him this time. Right. Mike Mike Pompeo in a gimp mask uh, over in the corner (laughs) of the Oval Office. You can talk now, Mike. You can talk. (laughs) Save Mar- that for commentary Mike after is the dark. Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> exactly. Of the, exactly. Of the, no, so I'm just saying, like, it's interesting because one thing, this is the whole point about Trump. This is the point of the column that I wrote in the New York Post that got me a lot of mail from some of these people is like they're not really that they're not they're not competent. They're not politically competent. They don't know how to. They don't know how to get out the vote. I, like I, even the mail, even the mail versus same day stuff two, is so suicidal. The two, the two things. I, I just two thoughts on yeah. this. Number one, political professionals and the media grossly overstate the role that political professionals play. Uh, I listened to the guys who uh, were working for Barack Obama. I listened to them talk about their Colorado GOTV efforts and the press rhapsodize over their use of texts and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, yeah, but also you had this incredibly telegenic, charismatic guy right. running against a million year old man uh, with Sarah from Wasilla. So I hear you, but maybe we should temper how brilliant Dan well, here's, Pfeiffer right. here's really something is. something brilliant though, the extent to which Democrats, committees, campaign professionals, and candidates spent money, $53 mm-hmm. million, dollars, to, as Abe says, keep them crazy. Yep. It was one of the most brilliant, effective strategies. They deserve all the ROI they're getting today. And they're going to do that again on steroids in 2024 so and keep it's it going. The crazy a, wins. It's this burst a, of enthusiasm isn't going anywhere. It's such a dispatriotic. It's true. Rotten, rotten yeah. behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I'm not I, I am not elevating the consultant class. I'm really not. I'm actually just talking. I'm talking about the parties. You could even forget about. So that's, that, was the like, sec- that was my second. Yeah, the second okay. part is yeah. grossly overstated. But not you, but in general, the importance of political professionals. But here's what I will tell you. They may not be able to win a, a win, a losing race, but they can sure lose a winning race. Uh, They can absolutely lose a winning race. You can have bad advice. You can have bad ads. You can have bad decisions. I think in Trump's case, there's no advice that he's going to take because he's the world's greatest mommy shopper. No matter what he's going to. I I loved in the testimony from um, uh, Bill Stepien where it's like, they're like, well, you've lost, sir. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, where's Rudy? Rudy. Yeah. 
What do you say? Make me feel good. Exactly. Yeah. Tell me what I want to hear. And they're like, these losers, get them out of here. Yeah. You, uh, Joe DeGeneva and Rudy Giuliani, you guys are the new brain trust. Yeah. So I think with Trump, it probably doesn't matter. And by the way, the RNC and the DNC are both ridiculous jokes. Uh, and we have weak parties, so we have too much partisanship. I mean, he, you know, the thing about Trump, this is the other thing, is that Trump is a unique figure. Classic Lord, thing hear about our prayer. Classic thing about unique figures is uh, that they're not uh, rep they're not um, uh, replicable copyable replicable okay. thank you you know they really aren't and so if you want to be Trump light yeah we now know that if you're Trump light you can win on the point you can win in the primary you can knock off a Republican with 40 years of experience who was you know until six years ago with help was from dnc about... cash with help yeah. from democratic no, party right, cash right, i love jd I... vance's acceptance speech victory speech i was like who is this chamber of commerce gentlemen know, yeah. who is this <laughs> who is this rotarian who has suddenly taken the stage up here hello and there and there's the desantis skill by the way that's that again if everybody's a baby something desantis had ran the most nauseating campaign in 2018 anybody has ever run and yep. then the minute that he won it's like I am going to deal with pollution, phosphorus runoff in the Everglades for a while. <laughs> you know, that's let me go off and put and on. He gave my, teachers I, a yeah. raise, and he, yeah. he did a yeah. lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but listen yeah, to but us. Like, listen to us sing the guy's praises. And how do you think the Trump voters and no. the right are going to react to it? Negative partisanship works in the in, the, in a macro a micro right. level that's, too. You're exactly right. That was the point that I was going to make, which is that yeah, you can do fantastically well in your own ecosystem like a manatee right? but then <laughs> and they're not poor manatees they're not yeah, doing that then, right, right but then you're out of your ecosystem you, you're if, caroline levitt and you like win a, in new hampshire and Trump's guess what guess what you can't speak in the a way appeal of all these trumpy mini trumpy candidates is that the right people hate them we're the right, right people <laughs> we are they want to make yeah. us miserable and just, just spite us, even if it sacrifices a lot of really important things in the process. But they still, but that, my point is that just like everybody, they are now, there is now a Trump bubble. Uh, you know, Republicans, it was very hard for conservatives or Republicans to live in a bubble for a very long time because the bubble was too small and there was too much force against it. You needed to be outside your bubble to understand how to talk to people. That was sort of compassionate conservatism, stuff like that. How do you massage your message? because you have to reach those other people and the trump bubble is so thick that you're talking about people who like oz because oz wasn't really a trumpian right oz like comes out and he's not doing well and it's like oh my god my ratings are cratering you know how do i get them up i obviously the structure of the show is wrong we need to have the monologue at the top and we need to have guests in the you know and he and he then ran a relatively competent campaign but caroline levitt for example or blake masters or something could never do that because they are they're inside they win the election they win the primary and they think that they won the election and then guess what the primary voter is not the general election voter everybody but in politics tended to understand that except ideologues the best thing and about politicians is that they lie uh, <laughs> right they don't believe what they're it is good that they do not actually believe what they're saying because they will follow where they think the votes are they will go and you looked at blake masters who ran as like this like 
4chan weirdo in the primaries and then he wins the primary scrubs the website of the abortion stuff changes his opinions does a lot of other stuff if he did not have the personality of a boiled egg uh that race would have probably been closer uh carrie lake's success uh relative to his uh speaks to that uh she was highly photogenic highly skilled i also love the vaseline wipe camera lens that her husband shot her a page in. from barbara walters yeah Exa- exactly she looks it's so like, hazy and glowy oh, all it's the time. so good what kind of tree would you be so the uh politicians uh I-, I love the movie the hunt for red october and there's a great scene where uh the president's national security advisor he says dr ryan i'm a politician and that means that if i'm not kissing a baby i'm stealing their candy and this is what we count on politicians to do is nobody cares about flip-flopping if you're flip-flopping in their direction, right? Nobody bothered, nobody was upset uh, about Mitt Romney becoming more pro-life in the Republican Party. They were pleased that he did. And what will, these incentives that were revealed in this election will cause thirsty people like Blake Masters and others to rethink how they run. We don't know to what degree, but all I can say is the game is afoot. The Republicans are are going to, the Lindsey Grahams of the world are doing new calculus today. Uh, they're thinking about where they, who, whose patootie they need to be smooching. And they're, they're looking for new daddies. And that's, you know, so you've got DeSantis, you've got others, but I think it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be a lot less predictable than most people think. Do you think, just last question, yeah. we go back back to Georgia. Do you think uh, they're going to activate Brian Kemp, right? McConnell well, said he's activating Brian Kemp to get Herschel Walker elected. It's like he's a wonder twin, but anyway. You, yeah. if you're, the if poor you're, wonder twin who could only be water. That was the worst, right? Form of an iceberg. Right. Go, form Brian of a bucket Kemp. of water. <laughs> if, you, if you are, if you are, Brian Kemp, what in, what's your incentive to get Herschel Walker elected? Well, your incentive is that Herschel Walker uh, in the debate, which we aired on Next Star, yes. uh, the, the Next Star debate, which we aired on News Nation, yes. uh, is that- It was a badge of honor wah, wah, for News wah, Nation. The Groucho. You, you need, we need a Groucho emoji for this. Uh, the, uh, in that debate, the name that Herschel Walker said the most was what? Brian Kemp. Brian right. Kemp, Brian Kemp, Brian Kemp, who is, for the same reason that DeSantis right. is popular in Florida, Brian Kemp is popular in Georgia. Uh, Brian Kemp is very conservative. That accent is not fake, right? That is, that Brian Kemp is who he appears to be. Um, and the Herschel Walker needs Brian Kemp and needed him. The question, the, the motivation for Kemp would be that Herschel Walker would be loyal to Brian Kemp and would be his friend in the United States Senate and would not be trouble for him later on. And that Herschel Walker, who has a lot of, has a powerful loyalty gene, uh, would be his friend. If he is perceived by Georgia Republicans as snubbing Walker uh, for his, uh, in, in a fit of pique against Donald Trump, this is not good for uh, him and his future in the state and all that other stuff. But I think Christine, not surprisingly. By the way, I should say it's good to see Christine's face because normally I just see her feet under the <laughs> under the glass I panel. Just... <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder if Christine's in. And she's got her drawer closed. I'm like, 
feet. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you, got, you guys have to understand what Chris not. is referring to. A American Enterprise Institute has one of the strangest buildings in it's America. A beautiful building. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful on the building. outside. It's psychotically laid out on the inside <laughs> for reasons that elude me. And so people are like behind giant panels but they're not they don't go all the way to the ceiling and you can see i have a door that door. closes i have yeah, a door that okay. i took I'm paul ryan's okay. office i'm out yeah. there like the steamship round on the <laughs> on the mother's day buffet just you can walk past my door and there i am come slice off a piece uh but it is very good to see your face christine um the uh i think that you were exactly right which is what we don't know, the most important thing we don't know about Georgia is not whether it's for control of the United States Senate. It's whether Trump is going to run rub spray right. tanner all over this race and get down there and just ruin it. Because as he proved in 2021, he can do it. He And he let Glenn Youngkin win. Yeah. But he just, didn't. But Georgia voters can't pass up the opportunity to send Walker to the Senate so he can be privy to the scintillating oratory between the him and, and Senator Fetterman. Oh, that's oh dear the, God! In the, Bring in Maisie Hirono and Douglas Tommy Tuberville. In the well of the Senate between the two of them will just bring in Hirono and Tommy Tuberville, and you've got the greatest. It'll be yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Just I, Daniel okay. Webster, each other. Okay, I have two last short questions, okay. and then we'll we'll be done. One involving your home state, and one involving Georgia. Okay, again, interesting shadow boxing. So Trump, Georgia, does he come in? Does he not come in? Said this the other day. DeSantis is from Florida. Jacksonville television market beams into South Georgia. Mm -hmm. DeSantis is probably a pretty big figure to people in that part of mm -hmm. Georgia. Rural, very Republican, all of that. Who's a better get to campaign? I mean, not that Trump wouldn't be a good get. I'm not saying Trump. Oh, Trump was a help. bad get. He did, should not go. Oh, he shouldn't Trump go. Should okay. not go but under any circumstances. DeSantis, so if you're Walker... You want DeSantis, right? Do you want DeSantis? Does it matter? But wait, or how do you stop I, him? I, back to I, the young overestimating. That's right. It's not, it's, not, it's not that he can be stopped. And I don't think that he was stopped in Virginia. I think he chose ultimately right. or was convinced. I don't think he was stopped. Yes, he was well, convinced. He was persuaded by people that it would be bad for him to go because if he did, and it was about a lot of his donors, yeah, by the way. It's a liberal were, state. It's a liberal state. Right. But you know, Georgia's not we're a liberal picking state. a lock. Yeah. yeah. And, um, whether Trump is persuaded to stay away, I don't know. I think the I think the the usefulness of Ron DeSantis in Georgia is limited. Uh, anybody who would be persuaded by Ron DeSantis is probably already a Herschel Walker voter. The voters that they need are people who voted for Kemp but skipped uh, the uh, Senate. Right. So Kemp is valuable because Kemp is popular and successful, and so he what he needs to do is say to people who skipped uh, who the undervotes. I know, but I've talked to Herschel and Herschel told me, uh, I, we parsed it together. We got a Herschel to English translator and it is clear that he will put Georgia first and will be a reliable vote in the United States Senate. The very same people who are trying to get Trump to beg off going to Georgia, people like Kaylee McInerney, who, yeah. you know, we talked about this yesterday, are trying to get Trump to not run for president next month. And the invitations are already out. Yeah. You're invited that, well, to a very special do? announcement at the Mar-a-Lago Club Tuesday November 15th. Exactly. And talk about steamship round. I mean, that's that's revenue. They're going to make their numbers yeah. for November uh, based on this event. So he can't cancel it. Right. He can't that the, the yeah. he can't eat that. So what a that this is a this yeah. is a pickle.
Okay, last, last question. Okay. Chris, as people who love you know, you are a West Virginian. Accurate. Born and bred. Actually, born in Michigan, but oh. moved to West Virginia when I was two. Okay. So born. Okay. I so got a job in a coal mine. So you are, you are, you are a, this is a state that you know and love. I identify and, as West Virginia. And of, and of course, uh, it has been represented both as governor by, uh, for uh, the gubernatorial mansion and in the Senate by, by Joe Manchin. Yep. Uh, it's a state that went 40 points for Trump in 2020. Uh, Manchin played his card as a conservative spoiler in the Democratic Party until August or July when he made the slightly head-shaking decision to support the Inflation Reduction Act, the climate change whatever bill. And uh, he is up in 2024. Um, so, I, I'm, again, predictions are silly, so I just... I'm at would one. it would it be sensible for him to run for re-election, and would it only be at, or you know are we in a place where there's just too much free juice for a Republican to say I honor your service you've been a great leader for you know but you're to the party you know your 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 values are no longer comporting with our values or something like that. So um, the. Uh, the governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice, who talks yeah. like Mr. Haney from Green yeah. Acres. He talks like Mr. Haney and he has the money of Jed oh, Clampett. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, the He's richer uh, than Jed Clampett, but he talks like Mr. Haney. Mr. Haney. Yeah. Um, and he's a weird dude. Uh, the uh, He says he's going to run for Senate. Everybody says they're going to run for Senate. West Virginia right now, everybody and their brother are running for governor and Senate and there's all of this stuff and da, 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 da. I think the question with Manchin isn't whether he runs for reelection. I think the question is whether he runs for governor or whether he runs for president. And I think he's going to run for president. Uh, I oh. think certainly he will run for president if um, Trump and Biden are the likely nominees for their parties. Uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The third way or whatever they call it now, the no labels or the problem solvers, the super duper fun gang, uh, the, they're, they're getting ballot access, uh, and they're going to, they're going to have, uh, uh, money, uh, and, uh, the talk in Washington I hear a lot now is about Manchin and Condoleezza Rice, uh, on a ticket. Uh, and that if it's Biden and Trump again, that this is a time where you could have substantial realignment. I'm unconvinced of this, but it it speaks to how unpopular these parties are and how bad those nominees would be that I don't dismiss it entirely. Well, look, he's a spring chicken. He'll be exactly. 77 in 2024. Exactly. Youth Trump and inexperience. Trump will be 78. Biden will be 82. He is the, the candidate of youth election. and vigor. <laughs> <laughs> the grip keeper yes exactly this is like the politburo i swear to god exactly this death like, of stalin yeah i mean this is really i'm sorry <laughs> i mean you know chuck, by Brezhnev the way can we, can we just pour one out for chuck grassley who just got reelected at the age of 89 born uh born uh in the year that uh franklin roosevelt was in his first started his first term but he's been in congress since the 50s yeah 
I think the 70s. Anyway, uh, 89? I mean, I think, was Strom Thurmond older when he won his final term? I think Strom maybe Thurmond he was, was 101 <laughs> when he died. Okay, yeah, okay. In, okay. in the Senate. In so, office, right. Okay, yes, so yeah, exactly. so, so Chuck Grassley, who occasionally... You know, I mean, I I don't know whether he's more or less rational than. They should remake the Immortals right with these guys, but yeah. like all decrepit in their <laughs> yeah. costume. I'm sorry. Senate, anyway, Chuck Grassley was elected to the House of Representatives in 1959, so he's been in politics since. He's been in politics for for 63 years, just having fun, just just, just living just, it up, just enjoying himself. Yep. Anyway, so this is another. You know, it's a great great moment for. Uh, you know. We got Diane Feinstein sitting there in the Senate, by all accounts, um, a, a cognitively challenged person. We, of course, have Fetterman. We have uh, Tommy Tuberville and Maisie Hirono, who have a, a standard deviation below the norm on IQ, perhaps. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. This is uh, we're, we're this is one weird country. Uh, great country, but a weird country. Chris Starwalt. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm buying you a steak. He's already, I'm sure you already, I, I said you're going to get a Wagyu steak, you're going to get a Kobe no, steak. No, no, no. Well, oh, yeah. Well, are we go, or are we going to go to like Outback? We're going to go, go to Keens. Outback. We're going to go what? to Keens. I'm, we're going to be in Keens. New York. So I, we're going to go to Keens. I, we are four, our office is four blocks from Keens. So this is a no brainer. This is All obviously right. true. Okay. Keens uh, Steakhouse that has been there pretty much throughout. Chuck Grassley's life, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it's actually from like 1889. There. Yeah, yeah exactly. like 1889, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, uh, there are a lot of pipes. Let's give you a sense of how old this place is. The whole place is decorated with people who used to leave their pipes, customers, at Keene's so they would get in that's the take off their hat, give it to the coach. That means girl. something different in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah exactly. say that, that, That's the mutton chop place, right? Oh, yeah. baby, you got oh, it. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. not in honor of, of, of our... Um, uh, well-aged politicians. You should yes. get the mutton chop. We should well get the mutton, yeah, the mutton chop. The yeah. turtle soup. I'm trying to think of right. foods that were dined upon in, you know, when, when something Victrola's, in they were yes. place playing something on the Victrola. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so much. Thank Everybody so much should listen to Chris Steyerwalt's great podcast with our, our friend Eliana Johnson, Inkstain Wretches. There's a new one out today. Uh, every Friday, um, Chris forces Eliana to say something nice, which is an amazing achievement. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a it's a it's a press criticism podcast. So if you're not listening, you really should. Uh, fantastic to have you. And for Abe Christian, no, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.